Good morning. I'm so glad you guys are with us this morning, watching again online. We love how you faithfully are with us every single week, um, and we love that you're a part of it, and we love being a part of it with you. Um, if you're just tuning in and it's your first time tuning in, I want to introduce myself. My name is AJ Stevens, and I'm our online campus pastor here at The Orchard. Um, and you are catching us right in the middle of a series that we call Big Screen. And this, this year, um, Big Screen 2020, our theme is End of the World Edition. And so if you're wondering, I mean, what is Big Screen? That's a cool name, and that's an awesome logo. Um, but what is that? What is Big Screen? Big Screen is a series that we do every year in the month of July, and we take different themes from different movies, and we incorporate them um, into our messages to show you how they flesh out and how we can use things from culture and movies to relate to um, the things that we have in Scripture and the Gospel. And so it's been really cool, and it's always fun um, looking at things like that. For example, uh, the first week we used Chicken Little. And this idea um, in the scene in Chicken Little where the sky is falling, or he's saying the sky is falling, and we rift off of that scene, and our whole point is, hey, the sky is falling, but as the uh, great philosopher Eddie Blaylock said, you don't have to get hit on the head. And the whole theme there um, with Chicken Little was that, yes, the sky is falling. Yes, the world is going to come to an end one day, but you don't have to be unprepared for that. You can be prepared for that um, through a relationship with Jesus. And then last week, we looked at the book of Eli. And we use the book of Eli, looking at the book of Eli, uh, and our theme was when you find the truth, that you have to trust it. And we looked at the Bible and we said, hey, the word of God is the truth. Are you willing to trust that? Are you willing to trust the word of God as the truth? And so this week, I bet you're on the edge of your seat and you're wondering, hey, what is this week's uh, movie? But if you paid attention to that bumper leading into it, you have probably already seen that it is I Am Legend. And I Am Legend is a neat movie because our whole theme this year, um, and, and I'm sure you've noticed that based on Chicken Little and the Book of Eli, is this post-apocalyptic end-of-the-world theme. So that's our theme for the big screen this year. And looking at I Am Legend, what a fitting movie to do that with because that is very much a post-apocalyptic um, context in that movie that's being broken down and, and, and kind of viewed through the lens of what it might look like if we were the last people on earth. And so there's one scene in particular in I Am Legend, and I want to kind of break this scene down for you because I think this hits at the very heart of where we want to go today. And in this scene, um, you have the two main characters. You have Robert and you have Anna. And Robert is played by Will Smith, and, and he's kind of going into this with a more cynical um, view on the end of the world that's, that's taking place. And he meets this girl over the radio, Anna. And Anna's having this dialogue with him over the radio and saying, hey, we, need to, we kind of need to link up. We need to make sure that we're with each other because we're the last two, um, so they think. And Robert says, okay, and they get together. And Anna, when he gets with Robert, basically says, man, isn't that crazy? What a crazy thing um, that I was able to find you. God told me that this would happen. And, and Robert questions her and says, kind of, what do you mean God told you? That was my voice on the radio. And Anna's saying, no, 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 no. You think it's just a coincidence that I happen to turn on the radio, that I happen to hear you, that I happen to be a part of that. And she concludes this little dialogue with Robert and says this at the very end. She says, if the, just stop it, just stop it. Robert says, he must have sent me for a reason, Anna says. Neville, the world is quieter now. But this is how the dialogue ends with Anna saying something pretty interesting, and it's this. If you, you just have to listen, Robert. If we listen, we can hear God's plan. If you listen, we can hear God's plan. And that's what we're going to kind of lean into today. That's what we're going to use I Am Legend to jump us into our text with today. Then that's our big idea today. If you listen, if we listen, we can hear 
God's plan. But we have to put ourselves in a position to do that. We have to put ourselves um, in a position to be listening. But it's such an easy solution, it seems like, right? It seems like a no-brainer. This is the God of the universe, the God that created everything. Shouldn't we be eager to listen to that God? Shouldn't we be eager to lean into what he has to say if he's got the answer? If he, if he knows what's going on in the middle of all this? Because especially if we start to get a little stir-crazy with the things going on around the world, much like I'm sure uh, Anna and Robert were doing in their context, I feel like that's more of a moment that we would want to lean in. And Anna does that. Anna says, hey, I'm going to lean into this moment. I'm going to listen to this moment. And so it seems like that's the no-brainer thing that we should do, but yet it's interesting because there's still a Robert in this story, and there's still the Robert character who is cynical and skeptic and condescending. And I think if we're honest, we can find ourselves in these moments, in these days, in light of recent events, being a lot more like Robert than like Anna, where we start to question things and we start to, to panic and not know what's going on instead of taking Anna's advice and saying, hey, just listen to what God's word has to say. So I think that I am not uh, excluded from that either. I think that that is something, um, especially in light, of, in light of recent conversations that we've had here um, at our church with our church staff that has become apparent to me is um, there's been moments as we unpack these series and we talk about the end of the world with these events that I've been like, man, that's, that's kind of freaky. That kind of freaks me out a little bit. That's kind of unnerving. Um, and and it, I'm personally guilty of that. And what happens is that I grow impatient and I stop listening to what God's trying to tell me and what God has already told me in his word. And instead, I start to panic and I start to have fear and anxiety about these things. I start to wonder, hey, what's going to happen uh, to Dax, my, my son, my nine and a half month old son, what's going to happen to my wife? Katie, is this going to happen in my lifetime? I started, all these things start to go through my head, but what I know is true and what I've been able to do is combat those thoughts by listening to what God's word has already told me. And so I have that comfort when I go to that place, when I go to that season, that moment of life where I start to freak out and, and there's uncertainty all around me, I get the luxury of going back to God's word as a child of his, as a Christian, and saying, man, what does God's word have to say about this? And it's not always a new thing. Sometimes it's me just saying, hey, I need to be reminded of that truth that I know. And so that's the luxury that I get as a Christian to be able to do that. But I wonder, and, and I wonder and I see really where a lot of other people are at, not just me, because I get that luxury and I get that comfort. But in light of recent conversations, uh, it's becoming more and more clear to me with my friends, with my family, uh, with our church members, that it's not just a tension that I deal with, but that we're really all dealing with. And um, it's troubling that, that that's a thing. And it's troubling that it troubles me that not everybody has that confidence. And that's what gets me up here and that's what puts me in front of you and that's what makes me so passionate about unpacking the text that we're about to unpack is because I want you, if you don't already have that confidence, if you don't already know that truth, if you're not already reminded um, that God's got a plan and his word already tells us how it's gonna unfold, that you can be. And so that's what I wanna do today. I want you to have that same luxury that I have, that same comfort for your wife, for your family, for your husband, for your kids, for your job to know the same things that I know are true, that God's in control and that he's already laid all this out and that he already knows what's gonna happen. So how are we gonna do that? How are we gonna do that? We're gonna jump right back into our text that we've been in um, for the entire series so far, and that's Matthew 24. So if you have your Bibles and you're watching at home, on your couch, in a car, wherever, um, go ahead and grab your Bibles. If you don't have one, it's gonna be up on the screen as I read along. But we've been in this uh, chapter of Matthew 
uh, chapter 24. And it's been really interesting to see the last couple of weeks how things break down. But we jumped into the very first thing out the gate was Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. His disciples ask him, people that are closest to him say, hey, when is the end of the age? When is the end of all this going to be Jesus? And it's a little unnerving because Jesus doesn't say, no, 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 you're, you're missing the point. There isn't an end. He doesn't say, no, 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 you're missing the point. This is all just figurative. What's kind of unnerving about this, um, and that makes this such a frightening conversation to us a lot of times, is that he answers their question. And he gives them um, an answer. Maybe not as specifically as they want, but he definitely indicates, yeah, the end is going to come. And what is that going to look like? And so if that's the most frightening thing that's ever going to happen, then why talk about it? Why would we talk about it if it's the most frightening thing that's ever going to happen? And here's the reason why. It's because truth frees us. It is liberating to know that, yes, this is a frightening thing that's going to happen. It's liberating to know um, that in the midst of all the turmoil and chaos and uncertainty, um, that there is an answer and there is a truth that liberates us and allows us to breathe and allows, like I said earlier, me to find that comfort and that confidence. And so he gives them that answer and says, hey, it's time to lean in, guys, because I'm about to answer your question. And he does that. And last week, we're kind of coming out of this idea of labor pains. And I love the labor pain analogy because um, probably because it still resonates with me pretty good. Um, my wife just had our son Dax nine and a half months ago and um, was in the delivery room while the whole thing was going down. And birth is a wild process. Let me just take a moment to tell you ladies, I developed a new respect for what you can and are able to handle um, in that room that day. And it's, it's really cool because I got to watch the process from start to finish with uh, the labor pains and into the birthing process. And with Katie, um, it's funny because you see Jesus kind of explain and, and hit on the birthing pains and the labor pains. And with Katie, it was so true. One minute, everything was painful. And the next minute, we were laughing until the next labor pain. And so it was these, these moments and these seasons of, man, that looks like it's really miserable. And I wish I could help my wife to all of a sudden, hey, everything's fine, but then you start to know, okay, there's a pattern developing and the next one's coming. And in the same way I think Jesus hits that here, they got closer for her and they got more frequent for her until finally the thing that we're gonna talk about, the thing that Jesus answers them and says, that beautiful moment happens. The beautiful moment where I got to see my son and like Jesus is about to tell you here, the beautiful moment where on the other side of all these labor pains and these turmoils, we are going to get to be with Jesus forever at the end of all this. And so I think it's such a cool reminder um, for me and for us and in light of all those things that I've just gone through in the season of life. But I want us to kind of remember that this is the culmination of what Jesus has just been talking about. And so he answers disciples and says, yes, this is going to happen. And so what does that look like? So if you have your Bibles, this is where we're gonna start um, looking at that answer. What does that answer look like? Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and look at Matthew 24, verse 15 and 16. And this is his answer. He says, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. So we're going to kind of sit there for a second on those first two verses because they're interesting, right? Jesus says, hey, in the first two verses, there's going to be this moment in verse 15 
where we get to this thing called the abomination of desolation. What is that? That sounds super freaky and super frightening, and I don't know what that means, right? So when we look at the literal text, it looks like this is less of a moment and more of a, uh, a moment being spurred on by a person because that actually literally translates to the abomination that makes desolate. And so it's kind of an interesting thing um, that he starts off with that at right out the gate. He says, hey, when you see this spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, hey, that's when you'll know you're gonna have to flee. You're not gonna have time to do anything else. You're just gonna have to get the heck out of Dodge and get right out of there. And so um, it's interesting because last week we talked about this idea of the dual fulfillment, right? And so we see this one happens uh, pretty soon after Jesus says it, actually. And so you see, last week we kind of talked about the dual, this dual fulfillment, and we said, hey, there's things that are gonna happen recent, like right when they're being prophesied within that same time frame, and then there's things that have not happened yet, and those are the things that are still to come. And with this, it's really interesting because this thing has already happened. When you look at uh, a little bit of church history here, there's this guy named Antiochus, right? And he rolls into the temple and he kind of acts as like this antichrist character and he comes in the temple and kind of undoes everything, um, every piece of the Jewish custom that's set up before he comes in and takes over. And two of the big things that he does to kind of help you understand how insulting his, his move in and his reign was and that desolation was were, uh, he sets up a, ta- a statue of a pagan god named Zeus. A lot of you are probably familiar with that from the movie Hercules or uh, other Greek mythology. And the other thing he does is he comes in and says, hey, I'm going to take an unclean food, a pig, and that's the thing that we're going to sacrifice on the idol or on the altar, um, these Jewish people's altar, right? And so he comes in and immediately insults him by saying, hey, no, 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 monotheistic God, one God, that's not a thing. Check this out. This is the real God. This is who you should be worshiping. Second thing, right off the bat, hey, no, no, um, I want you to know that it's my territory now, and we're going to start doing things my way. And he makes that statement clear by sacrificing an unclean animal on that altar. And so it's interesting because you see that happen already, right? Like that happens within the next few years but AJ, I thought we were talking about the entire end of times here. I thought we were talking about what's coming down the pipeline. I thought we were talking about what's going on in the middle of all this craziness with, with COVID and tensions in the media and tensions in our culture. I thought that's what we were talking about. It is. And that's where that dual fulfillment comes into place. And before I jump into the second one, I want you to know this, um, that the beauty in the fact that both of these things are prophesied is that you can have confidence the second one is true because just like the second one, the first one came true, right? The first one came true. Daniel said, hey, this is what's gonna happen, and then that happens, right? And so when Jesus talks about that and says, hey, hey, there's something else coming down the pipeline, we can have confidence and know that that is also gonna happen. And that goes all the way back up to the confidence that I was talking about earlier, where I said, I want you guys to have that same hope and that same assurance that when you look at the text and when you look at the things around you, you can anchor your hope in the person of Jesus. And so what is the second one? That is what... Um, I've been on the edge of my seat all week leaning into and digging into scripture with, and that's what I'm sure um, you're on the edge of your seat looking into and digging in, getting ready to dig into. And so the second one that I want to talk about today is kind of going to go, we're going to go a little bit more in depth with into our more video this week, and it's in Daniel 9, um, verse 24 through 27. And there's a lot there. When you open that up, and I'm really glad we're going to unpack that this week, because when you open that up this week, you're going to be like, wait a minute, what? 
There's 52 weeks in a year. What do you mean 70th week? I don't understand. I'm not tracking. Um, that's okay because it took a lot of digging uh, for me to track as well. And so we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that, but I'm going to give you the overall 30,000-foot view of what's happening, and that is that in this 70th week, this abomination that makes desolate is going to appear again. But the thing, when you get into all the details and the nuances of when that 70th week um, has happened, you realize, oh, it hasn't happened yet. But the weeks leading up to it have. And so you start to look and say, okay, well, this is coming down the pipeline. This is the thing that Jesus is talking about when he refers back to Daniel 9. This is the other half of that dual fulfillment. And so it gets interesting. So the more we read, um, the more we start to understand that. When you look in verse 21, here's what it says. It says, The tribulation is going to be so severe that it hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now, and it never will again. For at that time, there will be great distress, the kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now, and it never will again. And so we know this is the other half of that, right? This is the other half because it hasn't taken place. And we know that it's going to be intense, and we know um, that it's going to be so intense that it's never going to happen again. But that is, spoiler alert until we get to the end, that's where the beauty and the comfort of knowing Jesus is, is going to come in because it will never happen again. In fact, it's going to be so bad that in verse 22 it says, unless those days were cut short, no one would be saved. But those days will be cut short because of the elect. Sidebar right there, that is such a such an awesome picture of grace because the indication there is that things are going to be miserable. This period of great tribulation is going to be awful and it's going to be so bad that unless those days were cut short, no one would be saved. But the beauty of it is that God is going to be gracious in that moment and he's going to cut those days short so that the suffering does stop and so that he can come back and he can reign. And so it's an interesting thing, but the next question then becomes, okay, what's that return going to look like. So if we keep reading in verse 23, here's what it says. It says, if anyone tells you then, see, here's the Messiah, or over here, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead you astray. If possible, even the elect. Take note, I have told you in advance. So if they tell you he is in the wilderness, don't go out. So he's in the storerooms, do not believe it. And that's an interesting thing, right? And I think the emphasis here is going to come in the next verse that we're about to look at. The emphasis is going to come because if that's what it doesn't look like, verse 26, then what does it look like? And he's going to talk about that here in verse 27. This kind of shows the contrast. For as lightning comes from the east and flashes as far from the west, so will the coming be of the Son of Man. Wherever the carcass is, there the vultures will gather. So Jesus is saying, hey, it's not going to be this quiet thing when I come back. It's not going to be this thing where I stay up in an attic or I'm hidden in a storeroom. It's not going to be a small thing. In fact, it's going to be a very noticeable thing. It's going to be a thing that you probably won't mistake, and in fact, a thing that you won't be able to mistake because I'm going to come, the analogy he uses is like lightning. It's going to be so apparent that it's going to be like lightning that flashes across the east to the west. I can remember... Um, Spending a lot of time fishing in the summer, right? We roll in and we get those afternoon thunderstorms. And if you're not careful, you get caught in a bad one. And when you get caught in a bad one, um, that sky turns very black and that lightning does a good job of lighting everything up. And so the point he's trying to make is, hey, this is not gonna be something that just kind of skims by that's gonna be hidden from you. In fact, this is gonna be something very, very noticeable. 
So why is that important to know? If the end is coming and it's inevitable, then why does that matter? Why do we spend our time doing, or, or why do we not spend our time doing what we want and not worrying about it, especially if our days are numbered, right? All this craziness is gonna happen. Why not just live it up? And here's why. Because for those that don't know the truth, we want you to know. We want you to be prepared. And for those of you that do know the truth, for those of you like me that have a relationship with Jesus, we don't want you to be deceived like they are in verses 23 through 26. We want you to be confident and we want you to be comforted by the thing that is coming, by the person that is coming in Jesus. And so we don't want you uh, to be skeptical. And for the person that doesn't know, we don't want you to be ignorant. It's not enough to be ignorant. Um, Ignorance is not bliss. We want you to know, we want you to be prepared. We want you to have a relationship with the same God that's gonna show us grace, with the same God that's gonna love us. And so our fear or our response shouldn't be fear, and it shouldn't be ignorance. It should be to be ready. We should prepare ourselves um, for that moment, for that moment that's coming down the pipeline, whether it is tomorrow or whether it is not in my lifetime, whether it is not in my son's lifetime, whether it is not um, in the next three generations. Um, the point is that we should be ready and be in a relationship with this Jesus that loves us, right? And it seems like heeding these words should kind of be a no-brainer, um, especially because the first one, happened with such accuracy, right? I bet you if you were to go back in time and say, hey, hey guys, um, you remember that prophecy that they said was coming? Yeah, that's about to happen and it's about to get ugly and you're about to be very persecuted and your temple's gonna be overthrown and there's gonna be pagan gods. If they could probably take a more serious tone to that conversation that Daniel's trying to have with them, I'm sure they would appreciate it being ready. I'm sure they would appreciate that opportunity to flee, that opportunity to get out and go and not deal with that persecution. And so it, it should be a no-brainer that we heed these words because the first thing did happen. And that means it's very likely, it's a sure thing that the second thing that Jesus talks about is gonna happen as well. And so why is it that with all those things true and, and me unpacking this for you right now, that it's still so hard to believe. Why is it that last week we say, um, hey, you can find the truth in the word of God that it's so hard to still believe? I think this is why. There's a passage in Luke chapter 16, and I think this story does a great job explaining it. It's not gonna be on the screen. I'm gonna do my job giving you, or my best job giving you the Stevens paraphrase, and then I am gonna put the last verse on the screen to help us understand. But there's this dialogue going on between this rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus, and um, one is in heaven, one is not in heaven, and the one that is not in heaven is looking up to Lazarus saying, hey, can I just get a drop of water? Can I just, can I just get to the other side? How come we're separated? Can you please, please, please just go tell my ancestors so that they don't have to suffer like I'm suffering right now? And this is the answer that he gets. He says, but Abraham said, they have, they've had Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, if someone from the dead goes to them, they'll repent. If they could just see how miserable I am on the other side of things, then surely that will be the thing that leads them to repentance. But here's the verse that I want us to look at, verse 31. He says, but he told him, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. So it's not enough not to know. And it's, it's not enough to know. You're not gonna know enough. What we need you to do is know and believe because we could do all kinds of things. We could pull out all the stops for you, but at the end of the day, it's God's, worth, it's God's word that reigns supreme and that's where truth and the foundation of truth is figured out. And that's where I wanna go with our takeaway today. And our takeaway is this. 
You don't come to faith just because you get it all figured out. In other words, you don't come to faith just because you heard the right answer. Because those ancestors and those generations, they had heard all the words of Moses, right, and the prophets, and yet they still didn't believe. And so you could listen to everything that I'm saying today, and that may not change anything for you. You still might not believe. And so what I want you to know is that you don't come to faith just because you hear it, just because you think you have it all figured out, but you come to faith when you say, I've heard that, I believe that, and I'm gonna trust in that in the person of Jesus. And so my goal today isn't to scare you. My goal today is actually to encourage you because in the book of Romans, it says that the kindness of God is the thing that leads us to repent. It's the thing that leads us into the relationship with him. His kindness is where we see the beauty. The other side of those labor pains, that's where we see the beauty of God. Not that all this chaos is gonna happen, but at the end of all that chaos, Jesus still loves his people and he's still coming back for his people. And that's what I want you to know. That if you're not of those people, you can be one of those people. You can be one of Jesus's people because he loves you and he died for you so that he could have a relationship with you so that ignorance didn't have to be the thing that you plea and you cry, but that you could plea and cry, I know and I've learned and I've trusted in the person of Jesus and what he's done on my behalf as a sinful person. And so if you wanna talk about that today, there's a great opportunity for you to do that. Go ahead and like that salvation moment button that you see in your chat. If you wanna talk to a campus pastor about that today, do that, reach out, talk to us, send us an email. We would love to engage with you and have follow-up conversations on what it looks like to start that relationship with Jesus, that thing that gives you the comfort and the peace of knowing um, the God of the universe who has set all things in motion and who's reigning supreme over all these things that we continue to have anxiety about. If you're starting to have a little bit of that right now and you're starting to worry and you have things that you've been putting on the back burner and neglecting and not addressing, um, but you really wanna talk about them right now, there's a live prayer button option at the bottom of your screen. Go ahead and click that. We have a team that's waiting right now to pray with you. A team that's waiting right now to listen to your needs and care for your needs and pray for your needs. And I want you to know that we do this with a sincere heart because we love you and we want you to know that Jesus loves you and died for you and wants to have a relationship with you. So I'm gonna pray. Feel free to do those things. There's also a Get Connected card that's gonna pop up in the chat again. And feel free to uh, fill that out. We would love to get in contact with you. We'd love to get to know you better. Um, whether it's, hey, this is the first time I've ever heard this. This is the first time I've experienced a salvation conversation or whether it's, man, I have been dealing with some of that anxiety too and I have wavered from listening to the truth that should hold me firm as my foundation and give me hope. Either way, we'd love for you to get to get. Uh, we'd love to get to talk to you and, and listen to those things and have you bring those to us. So there's three options that you could do: the salvation moment, the live prayer, or the get connected card. Feel free to reach out to any of those. We would love to do that with you. I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much that um, you give us a warning, but you also offer hope on the other side of that warning. Thank you so much that the sky is falling, but we don't have to get hit on the head because of who you are. Thank you so much that you haven't hidden that from us, but instead you've told us all of these things in your word, the Bible. And Father, thank you so much that you love us enough to see us through these labor pains and enter that relationship with us so that we can be with you, the God who's loved us, the God who's, who's pursued us, the God who has made all things new for eternity. We love you and we praise you and we're so grateful for you. In Jesus' name, amen.